This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning, afternoon or evening, depending on where you're listening to. Welcome along to episode 237 of the Stacey West podcast. My name is Gary. I appear to be your regular host at the moment. Uh, somewhat irregular is my co-host. And today they don't get much more irregular. Mr. Charlie Beeston, how are you doing? So a little peek behind the scenes, everyone. This is the third or fourth time we've tried to do an intro. And that's the one that hurts the most. Uh, it's the only one that I've been offended. <laughs> only because the first three times we messed up were, were, were kind of my fault. And the fourth time was your yes. end, but not your fault. And I'd done a really perfect <laughs> intro to that one. And I stumbled over this fifth one and I thought do you know what I can't do no no I, I said app twice before I said appear so yeah how are you doing anyway mate you're all right yeah I'm uh do you know I'm actually a little bit disappointed because I think this is the first time I am on the pod after a loss um which has is kind of ended the the nice little running run streak that we we've were only on. been coming on as a guest after this season and we've only lost one yeah. before it exactly so that's what I'm saying. It was it was a really good season so far. Yeah, well, it's it's not a bad <laughs> season anyway. And you're are you in your new digs as well now? Or are you you're moving there on Sunday or you moved? Ah, uh, not yet. Moving moving at the weekend. But it's it's not new. It will have all the background that I will be appearing in next week whenever we're recording again will still be one that's been used before because I have had the flat for a year. Unfortunately, I'm going to go back to it now. Do some actual studying. I mean, what is it? It's no, no, I don't, I don't actually. I don't actually do the studying. I just <laughs> you'll you'll soon be breaking up for Christmas again. You students really do very little at all. Oh, very much so. I'm only moving back there next week for uh, or this weekend just for freshers week next week or refreshers. Unbelievable! It really is the life of a student, eh? But it does well, mean like that I'm... you. It's like I've turned around and said I'm not going to be able to do the podcast on Sunday. I pretended that was because it'll take me hours to move. It's more for the fact that I will, I'll be out drinking Sunday afternoon and evening. So, Very good. 
Very good. Mm. And of course, regular listeners will be wondering, hang on, it's Thursday. Why have we got a podcast? They don't normally record on a Thursday, but uh, on a Wednesday. But of course, neither you nor Chris were available tomorrow night. No, we are. Uh, we're heading up to the EPC, the training ground, to go and uh, listen to a listen to a talk that I believe you and Ben have already had the opportunity to listen to before, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. Well, what talk's that? That is Jez George giving his talk on recruitment and oh, how God. how we're able to sort of recruit players from other clubs. And I know that both you and Ben have very much said that when you sat there listening to him, he really has people in the palm of his hand when he's doing it. Yeah, I think he's he's very good um, presenter. I've seen him do a couple of presentations on different things as well. So, um, you know, he's he's, he's efficient. He can go on. Um, when we went, and I uh, actually did, when I was up there hearing the talk for the first time, I think I've seen it twice now. I was actually sat with David Pickwell. God bless him. Um, it was uh, at December a couple of year or two ago now. Uh, yeah, and it was just it was just really good. It was really insightful, um, and it just showed you know when people go oh just George signing it, it <laughs> makes you realise that although he's at the top of the tree, that there's an awful lot more goes yeah. into it than than just that. So, oh no, very much so. The it's really difficult because I, I kind of made a point of saying it on Twitter over the weekend. It was underneath one of your posts, Gary, and it was the club got so much praise over the summer about how amazing our recruitment had been and how much squad depth there was. But Jez George's name wasn't really mentioned until this weekend when we started having a couple of holes in the squad out of pure coincidences. And then suddenly people sort of jumped straight on, on Jez, which I just find really, really unfair. And people seem to see him as this kind of villainous character behind the scenes, pulling the strings. And it's obviously not like that. And it'll, I'm sure tomorrow night will give me and Chris a greater appreciation of that. Yeah, if Chris starts asking questions, you'll never get home. Um, but of course, recruitment is something that is is quite high on the agenda at the moment, given our injuries. And that leads us nicely into um, last night, as we're recording, of course, last night's game. Uh, it's Derby County away in the EFL Trophy, which I think is unbranded and unsponsored at the moment. So quite all that big prize money is coming for us. Um, a youthful Lincoln City, it's fair to say, um, came out uh, second best against the Strong Derby County side on in a game that looked to be particularly low-key, certainly in the first half. Um, you were there, so the lack of atmosphere, was, was it as telling? I mean, what, what were your initial thoughts? Let's start with team selection, first of all. What were your initial thoughts over the team selection? When I looked at the team, I, I wasn't exactly too surprised, but there was one particular um, player that was that was in the team that I was very surprised to see, and that was Jay Ben. Um, and today uh, and last night, I was very much racking my brain as to why we decided to play Jay Ben, considering Jack Burrows was moved into centre half, and uh, you know we had Pordy and Sean on the bench, and the fact that Sorensen was also on the bench, and the fact that Solihull were playing last night. I'm still a little bit perplexed as to why we decided to bring Jay Ben in for the game. Although saying that, I also thought he was really good. <laughs> but yeah, we um, that really surprises me actually that you were perplexed about that because I think we've got a big game on Saturday. Mm. Uh, then we play next Wednesday. West Ham will want to put a full first team out for that. Mm -hmm. Then we've got Cheltenham at home, a game that we should win. They've only scored one goal all season. Uh, for me, it was it was actually a no brainer. My the surprise for me was that we. We didn't try and protect Bur uh, Jack Burroughs and bring Hayden Cam back. Um, 
I can well, understand Hay- Hayden why. can play Monday night in the uh, FA Cup, I believe. So I, I I am under the impression that there there was a conversation that was had between the club and Hayden Camp regarding playing Tuesday night, but they decided that him playing Monday night in the FA Cup was better than him coming back to play for the trophy. So I, I'm, I'm aware that a conversation was had with that one. My only thing is, is the fact that Solihull played last night. I always think it's a bit of a risk if you're calling sort of a player back for a single game and they then lose lose their spot in a Solihull league match for one game there's no guarantee that he might get it back let's say on Saturday and I, I always kind of worry about that aspect of it and squad management um, obviously hopefully that isn't the case and he'll be straight back into the squad on Saturday though Interesting we didn't call Charlie Kendall back when we could have done Very true and I, I'm not I haven't seen Dagenham and Redbridge's uh, lineup from last night, but I know that they did play. So I'm going to make the assumption that he would will have played. Um, Dagenham and Redbridge are a fully professional side, aren't they? Now I'm not sure if Solihull Moors are fully professional as well, or if they're only semi-professional. Now, if you know, if Charlie Kendall will have been living down, let's say living down south at the minute with Dagenham Red and training down there full time. They maybe thought it wasn't worth bringing him back and actually. If Joven was always planned to start anyway, was there really the necessary need to bring Charlie Kendall back for a game where he may have just sat on the bench anyway? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, he did actually play for Dagenham last night. They got beat 1-0. So, yeah. um, so that's team selection. Also, I think it was big that we handed uh, debut senior start to mm. um, Osin Gallagher, who looked, I thought he, had a, he acquitted himself relatively well. Yep. Obviously, there was Joven up top, who you know, every time I see Joven, I, I just think... Yeah, he's he, he, he's just playing a little bit above his level at the minute, if I'm honest. I, yeah, he, he he did really well at Gainsborough, and you wanted him to kick on mm-hmm. at the next level. The Brackley loan was a struggle. He's come back and impressed. Um, and like you say, it was not square pegs in round holes, but we just for me, it was just it just screamed, let's get this game out of the way. That was what the team selection screamed to me. Oh, 100%. I think if we'd have had the chance to just not play the game yesterday and, you know, let, let them have a 3-0 victory and forfeited the match, we'd have probably taken it. Because let's be honest, yesterday, like I say, it was very much about getting through it unharmed. Um, and that's that's obviously what we did. I definitely agree with Joven. Um, I think he needs, he obviously needs at least a, another loan in lower league, probably a couple more. Um, but Oshin has, he's been in and around the first team squad for for what seems like a long time now. And obviously for him now to have his senior debut is a credit to him and obviously the to Mark Kennedy and the whole management team. And yeah, he looked he looked really hungry. And the word hungry for me is exactly the kind of thing that you want to see a young player making a senior debut be. Um he was running after balls, he was trying to get to players, you know, ten years his senior or or players that have had hundreds and hundreds of more games than him. And the fact that he was able to acquit himself so well in the middle of the park yesterday is a real credit to to him and, like I say, the the whole training environment that he's been in at Lincoln for quite a while. And let's not forget he's only eighteen still. Mm. Um, and you know, Sean Rowan didn't really come into his own until he was kind of nineteen and here as well. So he's taken Ocean's taken a, a slightly different career path. He's another that it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't go out on loan to Drahida. 
Um, you know, I, I think, think we've, exactly. we've, we've spoken about Hayden, Hayden can, and, and possibly mm-hmm. him, you never know. And I think the Drahida things work really well for us. So just as comparison, I haven't got the notes in front of me because I foolishly left them in the other room. And anyone who's watching you know, a, a clip, I don't know if we put these out fully on YouTube. We don't actually. Um, but we'll notice that I'm sitting on the floor in my lounge. Um, but I think it was something like senior league starts. Um, our team had got 442. 30% of those came uh, in the National League or the League of Ireland. Uh, Two of the players hadn't got a senior league start at all. And one of the the most experienced players um, was TJ Oma with the second highest number of senior starts, all for us, all in League One. Ali Smith, I think, was was third, nearly all in the National League. There was only hacks, really, that that had made more than 100 senior league starts. Uh, James Collins had made 442. He'd made as many senior league starts as our entire first 11. You got Sonny Bradley, who was promoted to the Premier League last year with Luton, played 13 or 14 times for them. Um, look, I'm not crying David Goliath or that sort of thing. It is what it is. And if we'd had a wide, a bigger squad, it would have been a good opportunity to get minutes into some legs. Um, but in the first half, actually, do you know what? Considering that it was David versus Goliath, <laughs> which is what I've just said I won't yeah. say, you know, it must have been tough to have been there in that kind of sterile atmosphere. But watching at home when I could you know, do something else for the 42 minutes and that nothing was happening, it, it was all right. It's funny you say that because I, I actually said to somebody last night, if I was at home, I probably wouldn't have bothered watching. But being there, you know, I, I would have gone. And obviously I did because it's a, it's an evening out, you know, with football in the middle of it. Um, but yeah, we were we weren't disgraced. And obviously, especially not in the first 45 minutes and not even in the second 45 when they got their two goals. At the end of the day, we were a very, very young side. We already spoke about the fact we've got some players playing in positions that weren't necessarily their own. We've got some kids playing in positions that are, you know, very much above their above their level. The fact that Derby put out a strong, such a strong squad, it just says it says a lot to me about the character in the whole squad that we were able to go into halftime still nil nil. And yeah, the atmosphere and such, it was dead. It was a very much a training game. It was, wasn't exactly the most enjoyable place to be, but it was also a, a real positive. The fact that, like I said, we weren't losing nine nil come the, uh, come the hundredth minute last night. Yeah. I mean, that first half was, was a non-entity. For me, mm. you know, they had what two chances Elliot Embleton, I think, was at Grimsby yeah. once. I didn't realize he was at Dart, well, I obviously did because I've spoken about it. But you know, when things go in one ear and out the other, I think he, he had an effort, didn't he? And there was a header, um, Sonny Bradley, I think. But mm-hmm. it was, yeah, they they were at kind of when I say they were at half pelt, you know, they that Derby are a team that if they go out in the group stages and finish in the top six, they'll be delighted. We're a team that if we go out in the group stages and finish in the top 10, we'll be delighted. We look like two teams are really didn't not didn't care but you know we didn't we didn't want to pick up any injuries and one or two of the players were playing I think when I say with a little bit of passion that sounds wrong because I don't I don't mean to say that we had any players who had nothing to prove Mm. but the Jay Benz and the Ocean Gallagher's they were the ones that kind of right this is my big chance whereas you you look at one or two of the others like Hacks is probably thinking now well you know yeah I need my chance but who are they going to play up front on Saturday anyway Hax is going to be involved in the squad between now and and certainly Jack Vale coming back. The likes of Jack Burrows and TJ Omer, it was more for me about getting minutes into their legs, I think, than anything. 
Then we come out in the second half, and within, what, three or four minutes, arguably, Joven could have scored. And mm. correct me if I'm wrong, but was Joven not a um, Derby County youngster? And was he not released by Derby County uh, at the same time as Freddie Draper? Was Freddie Draper not Forrest? No, I think Freddie I, I know I Alicia Rahui was Forrest. Yeah, I thought was Morgan Worsfold, Morgan Worsfold, Greg. Joven was Derby, and I'm pretty right. sure that no, Freddie Draper was Derby was, as well. Draper was Derby, sorry. Yeah. Yes, Draper was definitely Derby. Uh, I didn't know about Joven, though. I wasn't sure about Joven that, was so. Derby. And, right. and it was just when he, when he went through. I mean, because actually, you look at that move, and considering we're just talking about the disjointed, mm-hmm. you've got TJ playing right centre-back, where I think TJ is a... That's his position. Yeah. He, he, he links up really nicely with J-Ben. J-Ben's been putting balls like that in the box for Solly Hall Moors all, mm-hmm. all season. They love him. Joven was just so gut-wrenchingly close. I mean, it wasn't a fantastic effort, but he's got on the end of it, you know, what might have been. The thing is, I don't think, and, and it's no disrespect to any of our strikers, I don't think any of our strikers in that same position would be able to do anything different than what Joven did. Because near post, goalkeeper made himself big right in front of the ball. Uh, you know, he's only one yard away from the ball. He he managed to make the run to the front post, which to me means just as much as getting the goal in that scenario because he's made himself ready and available in the box. And that's the sort of thing that we wanted to see from job on last night and that's the sort of and the run from Jay Ben and the cross was exactly what we wanted to see from them last night the result you know like you say both the clubs did they really care that much potentially or not for those that watch my previews on the on the YouTube I never want to predict us to lose a game I, I just can't do it last night I predicted us to lose 2-0 and I was then sat there very smugly in the 90th minute but the, the result just really didn't matter, but it was more about the performances. J-Ben put in a really good performance on that right wing back. Like I said, that r- brilliant run and that really nice cross. Joven being there was such a such a huge positive for him. Uh, we already spoke about how good Oshin was in the middle. The performances meant more than the result last night, and I think certain individual players can walk, walk out of that stadium last night with their heads held high, quite proud of how they played. You see, obviously you were at the game because you keep trying to skip to the result when we've got things to cover from the game. So um, you're quite, you know, you're trying to get it over and done with. You're like the anti-Chris, no aren't you? You're just trying to get it, get rid of it. I mean, I, yeah. I well, sorry, about... I can I can say spoiler alert before I say it, if if that would go better. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I think you just want rid of it and, and to move on. And I've seen the running order and there isn't a great amount more to talk about. So, no, um, no I mean, I, I wanted to pick on the fact that obviously Derby's goals, I thought, were both well-worked goals by a decent team. Mm. Um, you know, And Mark Kennedy talks about goals are only scored from errors and he pinpointed errors he felt for one or two of the goals. Do you know what? I, I think there's a difference between Mark's classification of an, of an error and mine. Because an error, is for me, isn't, oh, we could have just hooked the ball on. That's a poor choice. An error is a miskick or a miscue or something like that. And yeah, I thought it was harsh. Probably there wasn't a run tracked for the first goal. Um, mm-hmm. Arguably, I thought it looked like right had been beaten a bit softly. I thought if you make yourself big there, the angle's tight. I don't know. I think he, I think he may have got wrong footer because he seemed to cover off his near post when it actually kind of just went more central in the goal. So... Yeah, he he maybe could and should have done better, but it's easy to say looking at it from our point of view. Um, and obviously there was the 
do you think there was an error in the lead up to the second goal? Uh, well, Mark said there was an error in terms of not hooking the ball away. I just thought it was a good goal, if I was honest. I just thought they played through as nicely. So I would I would potentially argue that, because obviously it was a, an Adelican pass, if you like, that kind of just went straight to, straight to their player before, obviously, then they moved it through into the final third. So I would potentially say that it, that was the reason, because it got us caught off a little bit too high. Um, but then at the same time, I kind of see the point of, just hooking it clear is all well and good, but then you might just be in the same situation 30 seconds later. So we, yeah, if we wanted think, to try and get a goal, we had to try and play out of that position. I think an error is something that happens that the goal then occurs directly afterwards. So for mm-hmm. me, an error, if a delicate plays a pass on the edge of the 18-yard box and a player picks it up yeah. and scores, that's an error. If we lose possession in the middle of the park, that happens. Players mm-hmm. teams lose balls all the time. For me, that's not an error. Yeah. It's an individual error in the build-up to play, but if it's a delicate losing the ball, um, he's mm-hmm. got 10 men who are going to be behind him who should have the opportunity to stop it. So for me, technically, it's mm-hmm. not an error. Look, at 1-0, we were never going to get back into the game. At 2-0, we weren't, but we made a raft of changes. Um, and actually, I thought the balance of play shifted quite a bit then, and we ended up with four shots, three on target, which is more mm-hmm. on target than we've had in some of our league fixtures. Um, I thought Ted looked hungry when he came on. The player that impressed me most when he came on, and it, it's it's obvious and it's silly, but I thought Last looked superb when he came on. I thought he yeah. looked really hungry. Uh, especially considering he... Now, I struggled to figure out exactly which position it was that Last was playing when he came on um so you might be able to fill, fill it in better from the from the kind of i follow cameras but it was seemingly like a left wing immediately um really pushing down that kind of left side and then i wasn't too sure after that so i'll let you kind of fill in from there but i definitely agree with the fact that he was playing really well yeah I de- to be honest it was you know it's not always easy from the um from the cameras either and i don't always trust wise scout who said that we we didn't go um, what did they say we, we we didn't change formations at all on saturday and it's like well actually you you know that that's not the case so um but no so when last my understanding of it when last came on was that he, he kind of played left wing and right wing and kind of mm. switched between the two um so yeah whether yeah i, I all i thought I'd, and yeah i'm not going to get too hung up on someone that comes up for 35 minutes exactly where he was meant to be playing because it's yeah we were disjointed at times mm. anyway but those players coming on i thought it was important that they got the minutes wherever last played i thought he was getting on the ball he was trying to make things happen i thought ted was as well ted probably could have could have scored a goal um, and that just kind of reinforces a little bit of the positive for me because the last two podcasts, it's been the injuries. All in my mind, it's mm. been how we're going to score goals, how we're going to do this, how we're going to do that. We put a makeshift team out with with YTs and with fringe players um, on uh, uh, last night. And the organisation was still there. They were still compact. They were still dedicated. Mark Kennedy says about being brave. And he hinted to me that one or two players on Saturday were hiding in the first half. Um, you know, mm-hmm. He hinted that in his post-match. He didn't say it outright, but that was what he suggested. And I thought we got the opposite. And I think when your fringe players are able to go out and be compact and do the right things, it shows that actually tactically you're not in a bad place. And so it's, then it is about personnel. And we know we're in a bit of a rut with personnel, but actually the players, you know, we lost 2-0. We can't praise a 2-0 defeat. You know, we weren't scintillating, but it just shows that the foundation is definitely, definitely in place, in my opinion. 
Oh, one hundred percent. If you know, if, if we were talking about this game, let's say if for the last few seasons this game was being played, and we had the same number of players out, we wouldn't have been anywhere near Derby today. I don't think. Or yesterday, sorry, but this week we were. This season we have that squad depth, and yes, okay, we are in a a little bit of an injury crisis in certain areas of the pitch, and we're having to put players where they aren't necessarily playing, and all of this. But actually, we're still able to come away not being disgraced against the Derby side who have over what was it two thousand senior appearances. So there there are real good positives to take even from the loss, and I think that's kind of the the underlying point. And also, one of the other big, I see it as a bit of a positive. If you, if let's say you wanted to go through in this competition and we wanted to get to the knockout stages, which you know, as a fan, you always want to get to. We want to be at Wembley in in April, um, and then we'd quite like to be there in May as well. I'm sure. But it is worth noting that Wolves under 21 have also beaten Notts County in their first game. Now, for me, when I look at the Papa John's trophy group or the EFL trophy group, sorry, I always think, right, OK, let's say everybody can beat the under 21 side. And that's not me slating Wolves under 21s. I'm not going to pretend like I know anything about Wolves under 21s. But you always like to bet yourself against the under 21 side. So the fact that they've beaten Notts County, let's say... Derby beat Notts County as well, and we beat Wolves under 21s. Suddenly, if we beat Notts County, then we're, we're through. So it's, it's easy to say, but there is there is still the avenue there for us to get into the knockout stages. So it's not like us losing last night is some doomsday scenario and that we're not going to get any prize money from this competition because that's not the case. I See, I'm torn because I've always said this is the second most important cup competition after the AFL mm. trophy. And then since I've said that, you know, we've we've had two decent runs in the League Cup. And financially, this is the best competition if you're going to win it or if you're going to go through to the last stages. Mm. Um, last night cost us, what, 10 grand? And you'd think, well, that that's what, players, three players' wages for a, mm. a week, maybe. And it does... I don't want to be blasé about winning 10 grand because 10 grand is 10 grand. You make a good point that we could still progress in it. And yes, Wolves beat Notts County. And you look at the Notts County lineup and it was a weakened Notts County mm-hmm. lineup. We've already proven that we can beat Notts County or weakened Notts County in a cup. They're not going to want to, when they play us, they're, they're focused on promotion. So they're not going to, yeah. I don't think, be as, as focused on this. Um, you would imagine that Derby will beat Wolves and Notts County. If they're going to put a team out like yeah. that, I mean, Tom yeah. Tom Barkhusen, what's he doing in League One? I mean, what oh. a player he is. And Louis Sibley, what a great little player he is. I mean, there's you know, they've got some championship quality players. So you would expect them to do well. There was no shame. And, and look, you touched on Exeter, you know, and, and Exeter fans are, 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 for those people who don't know, Exeter lost, um, Exeter lost last night 9 0 at home to Reading. And they said, oh, well, we put all the kiddie wings out, so it doesn't matter. And actually, their average age was slightly more than Reading's average age. So, and, and the thing is, like, you can go on about nine nil, and it's only the kids, and it doesn't really matter. But actually, psychologically, I think that's a big defeat. Lose two nil at Derby against the, uh, James Collins has scored double figures in the championship recently and stuff. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too blasé about it, but you know, if we'd gone out in the first round of the Carabao Cup and then we'd convincingly beaten Derby, I'd go well. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a hypocrite. I would have gone. This is the competition you want to be in because it's got yeah. the money. Instead, West Ham are going to come next week. Would you rather be playing West Ham or Wolves under twenty ones? You, know, you will remember next week's game in 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 mm. years, no doubt. Wolves under twenty ones. Tell me what year did we play them in the EFL Trophy? Twenty 
there you go. There you go. Because instantly <laughs> you're thinking, I don't know, what was it? I would say probably 2018, 19 year after we won it. That would be yeah. my my guess. Um, Same year as we mm, yeah, no. There you mm. go, you see. There you go. So what is football? Is football about finances or is it about memories? The bigger picture is about finances. Absolutely. And it always pays to be pragmatic mm. and practical. But from a supporter's point of view, who did we play in the equivalent of the EFL trophy the year that we got West Ham in the League Cup? Who did we play in the EFL trophy the year Liverpool came or Everton yeah. came? It's not, you know, so I, I sit on the fence and whichever one we do well in, I back that competition and mm. people may hate me for it. And do you know what? I don't give a flying rat's ass. No, I 100% agree. It's we, we sit here and we try and be really objective and we all try and think about the bigger picture and the sustainability of Lincoln City as a football club and the finances that go into that and, and all of this. But at the end of the day, first and foremost, we're supporters. A night like next Wednesday night, home to West Ham, is is bigger than than any group stage match in the EFL trophy could ever be. All of them put together wouldn't get close to the emotion that you'd get out of that one night next week. And that is what it is. That is what it's all about. Um, yeah. But then again, the trip to Wembley in this trophy is 100%. We'll, we'll also do that. But that, but that's again, that's not because of the muddy behind it. That's because of the emotion of being there as a fan. So, but, but that money helped us get mm, promoted out of League Two the yeah, next season. Yeah. So. It's a fine balancing act. And at the end of the day, it's, you know, I'm a Lincoln City fan and I want to see us do as well as we can. If we lose games, I can sometimes take that quite badly. But last night's game, I don't at all. I'll tell you something else. If we were to lose 9-0 to West Ham next week, it would do more damage to us as a club than Exeter losing 9-0 to Reading last night. And I think that probably says a lot about the AFL trophy to a degree. But then nobody at Reading is going to be going, well, we only won 9-0 against Exeter's kids, are they? They're going to be going, we won 9-0. So I can't see Lincoln City winning 9-0 anytime soon because we do have a real lack of strikers. But one striker we will have back in the side sooner rather than later, I imagine, is Jack Vale. Now, um, Jack is obviously on loan from Blackburn. He's currently rehabilitating with Blackburn. But Mark Kennedy suggested in his interview last night um, that he will be with us on Monday. So that could be training on the grass Monday with a view to coming back into the gate, into the side in, in a few weeks' time. Now, you've done a video on YouTube chatting to a Blackburn fan about Jack Vale. First of all, who did you chat to and what was the overall impression? So I chatted with Dan from Rovers Chat. Um, and yeah, the overall impression is a positive one. Jack Vale is, is a player that they've had in and around the first-team squad now. They had him in and around the first-team squad last season. He may, he played something like 15 matches. You know, we, we did the full breakdown of the stats when we signed him and we were, we were sat on the pod, me and you, weren't we, Gary? And we spoke about all the stats. But actually, I asked the questions that your stats won't tell you. What kind of a player are we getting? Now, one slight worrying factor is the fact that uh, one of the first things Dan said was, He's a really, really good poacher in the box. You know, he's this kind of striker that you want to have good delivery to and he'll be able to get your goals. Uh, you know, he can also break away quick um, and do all of that kind of part of the work as well. But he's not very good as a pressing forward, which was something that was mentioned. Now, I immediately kind of getting a little bit worried about that because Ben House has been for the last couple of, well, last season anyway, my, my best player, my favourite player, because of the amount of work and effort that he does and puts in. 
But obviously, Jack Vale may not be up to scratch for that quite yet. But one of the things that we spoke about was the fact that actually, chances are Blackburn specifically allowed Jack to come to Lincoln because we obviously play some kind of a similar role for that striker. So it's going to be a real, real, it's going to be a massive opportunity really for Jack. And I kind of asked the question, okay, let's say Jack has a half decent season with us. Where do you, do you see him in your squad next season? Now one of the, Dan kind of was like, maybe, maybe, but if not, he'll, he'll hopefully then just get a move to another league one side or a lower end championship side or something like that. Because at the end of the day, this move is one of those final loan moves. We, we talk about it a lot. It's that, okay, either they're getting ready for the first team squad or if it doesn't quite work out or there isn't really a space for them in the first team squad, he'll he'll have to move on. Um, but So realistically, we've given Jack the opportunity. Blackburn have given Jack the opportunity. And realistically, Blackburn have given us the opportunity to really try and mould this young striker into the player that they think he can be and that we think we can make him. Um, so ultimately, I think there's definitely going to be a player in there. It's about tapping into that potential. And I mean, I have no doubt that that Kennedy and the whole coaching staff can do that. Um, but it may not be an immediate sort of goal scoring impact that we see from somebody like Jack Vale. But that doesn't mean that he's going to be out of games, which is the key difference. Fair enough. I think it's an interesting point, actually, just to pick up on there that it, it's that kind of final loan so he's got the opportunity to either sink or swim and if he doesn't do particularly well with us we we may be able to take him on a permanent and I think that's probably mm. the same situation that Alex Mitchell is in in that Gary Rower has said you know he needs to go away and have a good loan spell to convince me he's going to be good enough to play for Millwall and if he comes mm. away and has an average loan spell you know he's he's a player I could see as signing as well so yeah 100% and these these sorts of loans are actually I think they're being seen more often now in the loan market because of actually the amount of money that's currently being poured into things like the Premier League too, the under-21 Premier League, if you like. Um, and clubs want to be able to, to win that and, and have really strong academy sides. And that's something that we're seeing a lot more now. So actually these sorts of last loans are being seen more often. And it's just the way the loan market's going, but it's it's better for all parties then. It's mutually beneficial for every single club and, and the player involved in the centre. Because at the end of the day, these are always the players that are involved in the centre of this kind of loan deal. It's beneficial to everybody, provided they do well. And actually, that kind of pressure, that added pressure can sometimes make a, make a player 10 times better. Sometimes it can crack them. But you'd rather know that early on than, than too late, if you like, as from, from all club side, you know, rather than us getting him permanent, rather than Blackburn not loaning him out, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, that's good. Let's move on. Uh, and let's move on to the all-important bill payers. That's the people that, um, that are our sponsors. I still don't know who they are. I never actually listened to the podcast. There's no need. I know what was said. I'm here when it's being recorded. Um, so what we're going to do is go for an ad break. Now, when we come back from the ad break, we're actually going to go straight into uh, our Portsmouth coverage. We played Portsmouth this weekend. Um, John Mussinio's side down at, at Fratton Park. 
uh, and we are going to be chatting to Hugh from the PO4 podcast. Now, Ben has had the pleasure of chatting to Hugh. Great guy. I've done Hugh's podcast for the last four years. Not doing it this year because Ben's stolen it from me. Um, really like chatting to Hugh and the guys, though, and, uh, and, and very knowledgeable. So when we come back from our ad break, you're going to have those furnishing your ears. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So I am here for another preview, as ever, on the Stacey West podcast. I'm here with Hugh from the PO Forecast. How are you doing, mate? Are you well? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. Can't complain at the moment as a Pompey fan. Uh, it's good to be talking <laughs> with you guys, as always. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, it, Well, we, we tend to have those those instances where, you know, we, we either head off to the top of the table at some point during the season. It seems like it's coming early doors. Um, you guys off to an absolute flyer so far. Um is there anything that you, you think, you know, that, that could have improved on the start or are you generally, generally just like pretty satisfied with it all? I think we are still struggling before to break down teams who play in quite a low block. It's something we struggle against. Some of the teams who come and park the bus against us and it will come onto stars of play a bit later on. So I had a little look at your stats and that's something I think could be a problem in the game. But as far as the general overlook looks like, you know, not winning against Cheltenham, and, and things like that at home is something that when we're playing quite fluid teams, you like to come at us. I think we do well. We like to control the ball and play it round. And generally things are on the up. And we said we had a really, really hard September. We know we've mm -hmm. got into that. You know, we've come out of Peterborough, Derby. And then obviously we just played against Barnsley yesterday and got, got a win there as well to so seven points. So I think from my perspective and from Pompey fans' perspective generally... I think we're sort of past the, OK, we can actually play this against some of the better teams after quite an easy start, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, that's always interesting, isn't it? You know, we've we've set, um, you know, and Gaza said quite a few times on the podcast about, you know, like the benchmarks, the yardsticks at which you start to measure yourself against the other teams throughout the season. And I think, you know, we've had um, Blackpool, for example, that seemed to be a bit of a benchmark, but it's all right, OK, we're at home now and we can, you know, we can perform against them. Um but yeah, I mean, overall, um, like I said, you're gonna, you're not gonna find too many people complaining. I imagine when you you sat top of the table. So um, we did have a, a very brief chat off air to say, you know, let's let's talk about uh, some of the incomings that you've had. Obviously, there's a couple um, that would prick up the ears of some Lincoln fans. Um, but who 
as mainly impressed and who's settling well in the team um, so far? And, you know, is there anybody that maybe hasn't quite got going yet? Let's start the elephant in the room then, because Regan Paul is absolutely dynamite for us this season at the back. <laughs> we have been absolutely luck- lacking a passing centre-back since we had sort of like Matt Clark playing for us and, mm-hmm. you know, Adam Webster and people like that. And he's been absolutely exceptional for us at the back. You know, we probably before the game against Barnsley had the, had the best defence in the league. We still haven't conceded a goal from open play. Obviously, we conceded two against Barnsley, so I haven't looked at the revised numbers from them. But he's very composed on the ball. He, he can just bring the ball out of the back. He looks he looks great for us there. And, you know, he's, he's got a goal for us as well. And all round, him and Connor Shaughnessy, we just looked very assured at the back mm-hmm. line. So he's been an excellent pickup. Um, moving on, I suppose, we've got um, Alex Robertson. He's a sort of a, a cam slash sort of like centre midfielder. He can play either eight or ten. We've got him on loan from Man City. He's an Australian international. He's capped for the men's team, 20 He's very good. He's, when you watch him play, and I assume he'll play. He did play in the 10 position. We've had quite a lot of squad rotation in midfield, but he's an excellent passer. You can take a free kick, but his close control, his vision is, has been absolutely exceptional as well. I think there's, I mean, just trying to think, we've had about 14 new players in. Will Norris, our, the goalkeeper, he played for Peterborough last season. His distribution has been absolutely unreal. It was something that I was quite concerned about when we signed him, but you know, sometimes you've got to hold your hands up, haven't you, and say that you're completely wrong. And in this, in this situation, just completely wrong because he can just, yeah. he plays high up the pitch. We like to build from the back, get the ball out and get it rolling. Um, and from that perspective, Will Norris has been exceptional for us this season. Excellent. I'm, I'm, I mean, I can keep going really, I suppose, because we've got, <laughs> got some good wingers. Abu Kamara's come in on loan from Norwich. He's also been pretty, pretty lively as well. Obviously, we've got Anthony Scully. He's been injured for a bit mm-hmm. so he's played a bit bit part of the season i'd say he's probably the player who hasn't kicked off and got running um the most out of our new signings to be fair because okay. he's just a little bit a little bit lost on the left there we play sort of a you know a 4-2-3-1 at this moment in time we've also played like a, you know a 4-3-3 and yeah he struggled a little bit there i mean we can okay. talk about whether it's because we haven't got a left back overlapping him but he's really he has struggled a bit to get going and but overall, you know, we've got quite a lot of squad depth. There's more cool. players there, and I can bring him in, I suppose, if uh, if it comes on topic. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I was sort of, I was just saying to Charlie off air as well. You know, looking through the squad, it, it, it's quite a <clears throat> quite a hefty squad for for League One. And you know, I think there was a few people before the season kicked off, myself included, that said, you know, I think you'd be there or thereabouts to to coin a phrase. You know, when you get to that point in the season where you, you're getting down to the business end. So, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously. You know, there's a few names in the squad um, and potentially in the starting eleven that will be familiar to to Imps fans. You've obviously mentioned Regan Paul, you've mentioned Anthony Scully, um, of course Sean Raggett's still with you guys, and Joe Morell as well. Um, who, I mean, I don't think you'd ever be able to find um, a Lincoln fan with with a bad word against any of those four players. Um, so it's, in some respects, it's quite nice to see them doing well. But in you know, on Saturday for for ninety minutes. We'll part those feelings, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, how how is uh, particularly you know I'm, I'm a big Joe Morrell fan. How has he developed with you guys over the past couple of seasons? I'm a massive Joe Morrell fan. You know, it's one of those things that he's a tenacious player. He, he wins the ball back well for us. He moves well with the ball, moves into space well, and he's a clever passer of the ball as well. That's quite underrated in his game. 
he really helps us with that sort of industrious sort of midfield running as well. And this season, he's looked really good alongside Marlon Pack in the two. Mm-hmm. I think he does like occasionally get sent off. He's already been sent off this season. I think he was sent off three times last season. It yep. was a bit of a silly yellow this time. Two yellows. I think sometimes with Joe, I think he said himself that when you're my size, which is about five seven, you've got to be that tenacious or you wouldn't necessarily have a place. But yeah. sometimes he just needs to sort of rein that in a little bit. But that's nitpicking. You will hear a few Ports of fans going about that sort of thing with Joe Morrell. But overall, he's been an you know an exceptional midfielder, and we've got quite a lot of players in that centre midfield, and he he really just came back straight in from suspension and you know, grabbed his place again. And, you know, when you're playing centre midfield for Wales and, you know, you're playing against Kevin De Bruyne and people like that, and then you step in and you're playing at Fratton Park and you can just see that he's got that class really to be a championship midfielder. Brilliant. Thank you, Hugh. Thank you, Ben. Uh, Really good to hear that. Now, I'd love to pick up on some of the points that Hugh has made there, but regrettably, um, as we record this, it hasn't actually been recorded. uh, So it's not going to be recorded until 7.30. I would imagine, and this is a little bit of a test of of our football knowledge, I would imagine he would say that they are doing relatively well. They are looking pretty tight. They're beginning to create chances and they're beginning to come together. If Portsmouth are not in the top six this season, I would be utterly, utterly gobsmacked. Before we move on to the game, Mr Beeston, um, your kind of thoughts on on Pompey and where they are post Cowley yeah look they uh they are actually on quite a good run in the league and um, they're actually 19 unbeaten in in league one their last league loss not coming since March and that was uh, Sheffield Wednesday I do believe so you know and they went on to get promoted they're obviously on a real good high at the minute they're the only team in the league I believe that are currently unbeaten uh, four wins, four draws, the top of the league. The only thing is, is in those 19, that 19 unbeaten run, and I'm sort of obviously going to use a couple of the stats from the back end of last season because of this, they have actually only had seven of them as wins and 12 of them have been draws. Now, you know, it's still unbeaten. They're still picking up, what, four points every every two games um, as a minimum, give or take. So, they're still in a really positive place. They played last night against Barnsley and uh, we were all stood at halftime having a pint in Derby, getting rather worried considering they were 3-0 up inside of 15 minutes. Um, so knowing that we had to go down there on Saturday is obviously a little bit of a worry. But yeah, no, they are in a real good spot at the minute. Um, Colby Bishop has already picked up five goals this season. When you've got a when you've got a striker that could be scoring for fun at the start of the season, you know you're in a really, really positive place. Um, and obviously we'll see a few former Lincoln faces down there, just as they may end up seeing a former Pompey face. So it's it's a big game for us as you know we talk about barometers, we talk about all of this. I would like to get a draw, but it's kind of hard to be too positive in our expectations, um, but hopeful that we can go there and pick up something. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been having a look through the stats, and actually, their stats just and this isn't the nineteen games. This is just their 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 games mm-hmm. this season in in all competitions. Just make impressive reading. Their XG is two point 
3-2. So they should be averaging between two and three goals a game. They actually have only scored 1.8. So they were a little bit wasteful early on in the season. But as you say, Cobble Bishop there has, has kind of found his shooting boots. They're actually conceding 1.4 XG, but only conceding 0.91 goals as well. So actually they're, they're stopping the oppositions from scoring more goals than they should. So they're, they're not in a, in a too bad a position. Against Barnsley last night, XG of 3.66. Derby on Saturday, 1.6. 2.78 2.28 against Peterborough, 1.84 again. These are big numbers. And, and when Lincoln have a single game where we hit 1.84, we're kind of enthusing about chances created. Portsmouth are doing that on, on a regular basis at home. Um, in terms of possession, they're, they're, they're not particularly um, dominating possession. It, it goes anywhere from sort of 50 to 60 percent um shots though i mean 16-6 last night 11-4 against derby 18-8 against peterborough 16-7 against um peterborough again in the cup when i said it's 16-7 i mean 16 taken seven on target so they're in a really good place they play a 4-2-3-1 formation which kind of isn't unlike um what I call the the kind of the Michael Appleton formation, um, where we were playing, or the sorry, the Danny Cowley formation with the with the kind of double sixes, so to speak, which I know will make some people absolutely cringe. I know that there are people that hate me hate hate me referring to it as uh, as double sixes. Colby Bishop up top, um, but they've got Gavin White and Paddy Lane. I think Paddy Lane was at Fleetwood, wasn't he? And, and mm-hmm. Gavin White, a player who I've gone on about, came over from Ireland, played for Oxford, went to Cardiff. Marlon Pack and Joe Morrell in the, in the centre midfield. There's two people that you wouldn't want to fall out with in a dark alley late at night because yeah, they're both pretty tough. Connor Shaughnessy and Regan Paul at, in at, at centre halves. You know, it's it's really solid. It's really tough. Connor Ogilvie is also um, a, a regular starter for them. Who was at uh, at Gillingham? Do you know what they are? Just a team of strong kind of good quality League One mm-hmm. lower-end championship players. They've got strength and depth from the bench. Obviously, the likes of Anthony Scully, who, who hasn't been coming on for them. Sean Raggett hasn't been getting a game for them. I you know, I think that they've got to be up there as, as potential title challengers. And I think if we go there and get a nil-nil draw, as we did last season, I think that'd be a belting result. 100%. Their squad is so strong for this, for this level. And like you say, it, it is... It kind of reminds me, like, let's say you were to do a, a football manager save or a, or a FIFA career mode save or anything like that, but it was a create your own squad, one of those create a club ones. I've never necessarily done them, but if I was to do one or put my team in League One and I had a specific budget just to build a team of League One players, so many of these Portsmouth players would end up being in it. They are exactly what you want at this level. Um, they've obviously, like I said, they've got a really, really strong squad. They're so balanced as well. Um, I mean, when you look at having to face Connor Shaughnessy and Ring and Paul at the back too, and then when you've got Marlon Pack and Joe Morrell in front of them, everywhere you look, it's going to be tough for us to get much out of the game from an attacking sense. However, one thing I will pick up on that you said was the they concede uh, one point something XG a game on average, but only concede zero point something goals per game. We've been the other side of that in the fact that we've been really clinical. So we've not exactly created too many XG chances, but those that we do, we're, you know, we're able to score more than what our XG uh, indicates. Now, it could therefore mean that we actually get a couple of chances this weekend. And all we've already seen that all we need is one or two chances in a game to, to win it, to break 
you know, yeah, to, to kind of get the one goal, the one nil, a two nil, a two one, something like that. It has a, it reminds me a lot of Ipswich away last season. We went there hoping we could maybe get a draw out of it at best. We ended up getting a goal in the first half. We held on. They had something like 30 shots. I know only five of them were on target or something daft like that, but they ended up having 30 shots and we managed to keep the clean sheet. It has a lot of an Ipswich away potential about it. And I hope that that's the kind of way that we can go into this game thinking, okay, we know they're going to maybe let us have one or two chances. It's about being clinical and taking those chances when they're presented and then holding on. Well, here's the hope. The one game I've watched quite a bit because I covered it for a real FL podcast was their game against Cheltenham, which they drew nil-nil. I think it's Cheltenham's only point so far of the of the season. Mm. Um, I'd have to double check that. I haven't got the league table in front of me, but I know that I don't think Cheltenham have picked up a point anywhere else. They may have drawn one other. Um, and I thought that Portsmouth found it hard to break down a, a, you know, a decent organised Cheltenham side. If we go there with the we're not going to get beat mentality, I think that there could be something in it for us, like say the mm-hmm. Ipswich game, where I think it differs from Ipswich is the embarrassment of riches that Ipswich had up front. That almost rhymes. Um, was is probably not quite matched here. There are some no. other good players that we haven't mentioned, by the way, uh, Zach Swanson, Jack Sparks, for instance, mm-hmm. are two that that spring to mind. But when you actually look at their attackers, take away Colby Bishop. And you've got what Cassini Yengi, who's come off the bench twice and scored, but I'm, mm-hmm. I don't think he's he's fit. You've got Scully's, and he started three with with one um, coming off the subs bench. There isn't another striker that jumps out at you and goes, actually, he he could be a difference maker. So, despite the fact that you know, they're going to play the one up front, coming up against three at the back, I, I think I think that there might just be a little bit of hope there for us um, in that respect. And look, maybe I'm being, um, maybe I'm being a little hopeful. I mean, obviously Barnsley play three at the back, three, five, two, rather than a three, four, three uh, and conceded three goals early on, but they were, they were actually relatively solid after that Barnsley and they, they still got two goals back. And then the other games that Portsmouth have been strong in Derby play a four at the back. Peterborough played a four at the back in the league. Stevenage played a four at the back. That was nil, nil. Um, Portsmouth, Cheltenham, three, four, three Cheltenham played nil, nil. Now I think that's crucial because it's the only team, the only other team they've played that play a three-four-three. They've only once played another team go with three at the back, which was Exeter. Their XG that day was only one point zero eight, even though they won one nil. Exeter's was one point five two. So if there's a slight chink there of of light, a slight kind of hope for Lincoln City fans, it's that this Portsmouth team are not entirely convincing coming up against a, a three at the back particularly a 3-4-3. Well, very much so. And at the end of the day, Cheltenham haven't scored a goal for themselves all season. Um, So what could have been if they had attacking outlets or better attacking outlets this season that were were in confidence and on form? So like I said, there is is definitely then an opportunity for us to utilise our our players and the few attacking options that we've currently got to try and yeah, really break into this chink of armour um, and kind of go against them. I've just got, just sorry, I just got totally sidetracked there. I um, had the, found it rather interesting that Regan Poole is the only outfield player already for them to have actually played every single minute. Um, wow, so he's, he's obviously, 
No, it isn't at all. So he's obviously carrying on that kind of strong vein of, uh, of form and the fact that they can continue playing well uh, and consistently at other clubs. Although he has already got four yellow cards. So what is it? If he gets one on Saturday, then we can get him suspended. So no, that would be better if be better if he'd already got them, wouldn't it? it? Would. And he'd already been it suspended. Would. But funnily enough, they have problems with suspensions next Lincoln players because I think Joe Morrell's already had a red card as well. I think he had uh, two yellows and was sent mm-hmm. off and missed their one of their games. Might have missed Derby. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah, both, so. both him and Joe Rafferty have both had a red card for them already. Yeah. There we go. So that's Portsmouth. Are we going to do predictions? Can do. Um, I am going to go with a. I'm, I'm just going to go with a one nil Lincoln win. I'm going to go with a nil nil draw. And do you know what? Yeah. If you offered me that now, I would oh, happily God. pack up, go home, and do something else on Saturday. I would. I would maybe prefer a two all draw. Um, just travelling all the way down there, maybe yeah, two yeah. all draw over nil nil. But um, but clean then sheet. again, nil nil clean sheet. Yeah, actually, that might be better for us and more enjoyable holding on in the last five minutes. Uh, actually, uh, hmm. So, so that's Portsmouth. Hopefully, it will be slightly more entertaining than Derby. We still found plenty of talking points. We've actually. Uh, depending on how long Ben's interview has gone on almost as long as Chris and I did um, on Sunday. And that was with a game to look forward to and a lot to talk about as well from Saturday. So um, we are streamlining our service here. Maybe it's because we um, we don't want to go over old ground. I don't know. Um, any other business at all, Charlie, or are we done and dusted? Uh, I don't have any other business myself. Do you, Gary? Well, I do just want to mention uh, my that I run. Um, so oh, I just really? <laughs> you know, it's you that started that whole thing, and I, I got a, a message from somebody at the club about a, a running challenge I think that they're going to be doing in October. And he said, that, Oh, I understand from the podcast you run. Uh, like, <laughs> Where did you get that from? Um, but no, I just wanted to touch upon because obviously I've, I've been doing trying to do 60 miles in um September in aid of Calm, which is the campaign against living miserably charity. Um, and I originally set a target of 200 pounds, which we've kind of smashed through. I've got 16 miles left to do between now and uh, the Cheltenham game, which I, I, I'll do. I know I'll do now. I was panicking a little bit at one point, but I, I churned out another five miles last night and it's entirely doable. So, um, but again, I just like, I quite like to reach the 500 pound mark now. I think I'm four, I'm 462 quid. So, look, if anybody's listening at all, it's the pinned. Um, uh, article on the website it's at the top i've kept a run diary uh just trying to kind of keep myself motivated and hopefully maybe motivate some other people to pull on their their trainers now the sunshine has gone and it, it's kind of getting to better running weather it's a good opportunity to get out um, and it does make you feel good i used to despise running as everybody knows i'm not a runner i don't particularly enjoy it but it does make you feel really really good um and hopefully you know even if you're not a runner 500 pound might make some some people feel good through the campaign against living miserably. I think they said um, that they can they save a life with, with 18 quid or something along those lines. I seem to recall reading. So they do a really, really good job there. And we all know somebody that's been affected either by suicide or, or has kind of been in a dark place as well. So um, yeah, any, mm-hmm. if anyone can help get me up and over 500 pounds or help the, to help calm, then that would be phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah, um, definitely make sure everyone to go check that out. And do you know what? The, I I would never have ever called myself a runner. I 
used to I'm, I'm slacking a bit at the minute but i'm getting back into it um as soon as i'm back at university kind of getting back into to running and i never used to go to the gym when i was younger and started doing that then about sort of a year and a half two years ago and you know what somebody somebody once kind of said to me whenever you go to the gym or whenever you go out for a run or anything like that you might not feel better afterwards but you'll never ever feel worse and i think that's the key point of it you'll always feel a bare minimum the same as you what, what you felt when you went yeah, as long as you warm up properly, otherwise you'll get up and you'll feel a hell of a lot worse. So, well, look, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, we're talking about predicting nil-nil draws. We <laughs> lost 2-0 to Derby. It's been quite upbeat, really, for a podcast that's coming on the back of injured strikers. Um, there's still plenty to be positive about. There are positives from the Derby game. We didn't lose 9-0 uh, and we will be back on Sunday. Uh, I think it's myself and Chris on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Talking hopefully about the um, about a win at Portsmouth, we'll certainly be looking ahead to a big cup tie that we haven't we may have mentioned, but we haven't gone into too much detail. Mm. But in the meantime, stay safe, enjoy the podcast, and up the imps, up the imps. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.